Hello everyone. Before we start tonight's show, I want to share some words with you regarding what's currently going on in the world and how it affects all of us. You will notice that on today's show, Eric is only present in the intro. During the recording, he asked to be excused because with everything that's going on right now, his head really wasn't in the place to participate in the recording. And that's something we, like everybody on the cast, fully supports. I didn't like didn't feel right to edit out his participation in the intro and basically like pretend that we all live in this happy world bubble and everything is fine. Caleb, Eric, Matt, and I we fully understand that like a big part of you turning into your favorite entertainment podcasts is to enjoy them without any worries, and we do the very same with our shows. But yet, as content creators, neither of us feels fully comfortable just releasing the episode as is without any forward about what's currently happening in the US right now. I just watched the video again where they kill George Floyd by just suffocating him with the neon. You've all seen that, right? Or, or maybe if you didn't want to see it, you, you've heard about it. I thought a lot about what I wanted to say about this because this is, you rarely ever get such an act of injustice to, to see it. Like that there's literally people standing by and they want to help, but the police are stopping them from helping. The frustration, not only I, but all of us feel when when we see something like that happening, we feel like, how many times did people get away with this in the past? And when I thought about that, like I was going to talk about my feelings, how, how frustrating I find that. But then I just really realized that this is, this is one incident that I see. And black people in the US have been experiencing all of this for their entire lifetime. I'm not even trying to pretend that I can fully comprehend what it means to grow up in a society like that and to be exposed to that kind of institutional systematic racism every single day in your life. What I do understand is that people just can't take it anymore, that there's no belief in actual change in the system except for the change they make. And people all over the US are fighting for, for big changes and eventual changes right now. Something that I saw Obama say that does give me a lot of optimism. And again, like I'm watching this from Europe, from Germany right now. It's I'm not trying to like you guys probably know a lot of things better about American culture and what's going on there. But from an outsider's perspective, something that Obama just said in a speech that I watched of him was, in comparison to the civil rights struggle of of the '60s, this time people protesting and and working and like dedicating themselves to achieving this change are a much bigger cross section of America. And he strongly emphasizes how the majority of Americans very, very much agree with what's going on right now. And yes, we see like these shitheads on Twitter or whatever you want to see them, like the, the biggest one sitting in the White House, who are trying to feed you these stories about how there's like only a minority and oh, it's going to be over, whatever. Or are using all these stupid strawman arguments like all lives matter, blue lives matter. Or trying to pretend that the people are just like interested in rioting and looting and violence, that, that they have no real agenda. It's like that's total bullshit. And I think most of us know that, if not all of us. And that's what's, like, I feel guilty saying making me optimistic for the future because, like, look at me. <laughs> this is, like, not something that's having an impact of my, on my personal life. So who am I to be optimistic for the future? That's basically, like, honestly, that's really not my call to make. But what I want to say is that everybody on this cast and as well in the U not even in the US, like, worldwide, people are supporting what's going on with the Black Lives Matter movement and 
what people are doing to achieve those goals. Like just today in Munich, we had between 20, I think 25,000, the highest estimate was for people taking part in the Black Lives Matter protests today. So please know that you're really not alone in this cause. And while I really don't feel I'm in any kind of position, like being a white guy in Germany, to tell you to be hopeful or, oh, it's going to be better. I don't know. It feels wrong to say that. But what I want to say is that the way black people have been treated in the US and worldwide has been incredibly unfair. And if it's the smallest thing that we can do to even just talk about that in the beginning of this podcast, this is what we want to do and raise everybody's awareness, mindfulness, support and understanding of the BLM movement. Thank you. Welcome to Everyday Eternal number 78. I am one of your hosts, Callum Smith, joined by Matt Pavlik, Eric Landon, and one other, I've forgotten his name, uh, Jules, Jules, Julian Nab, that's the one. How's it going, guys? Hey, man, good to see you. <laughs> going all right over here. How about you, Callum? Yeah, not too bad, not too bad. Just uh, it's a lovely evening here in the UK. Pretty. I'm still around. Matt's still here. <laughs> Matt confirms his existence. Yeah, what have you guys been up to? Saving the world one tooth at a time. Oh, been started a new job recently and doing that. <laughs> oh yeah, good, good. Yeah. But playing much? A little bit. I saw you were crushing with Reanimator recently, so is that back on the menu? Never- um, yeah, I don't think it ever left the menu. <laughs> <laughs> cool. I just haven't been streaming, so. Yeah, fair enough. And what about you, Julian? Playing a lot? playing a lot more again but i've also done like a lot of other things like i've been playing a lot of brood war with marcus and Tomasz. i think i might have already mentioned that on the last episode been looking into a couple of other things kind of want to get like a better camera so i can do more like pre-recorded youtube stuff because the c920 once you go to full screen it doesn't look that great even though it's like a decent camera i actually played in the lotus box legacy 1.5k yesterday and i guess we, we were talking about that had a really good time there playing esper while which oh my god i'm Finally, I'm kind of falling in love with the deck again. I, yeah, I feel like that, cool that's one. the one I want to touch. Did Did you say Brood War? Tell me more. Are we doing Everyday Brood War Eternal? <laughs> everyday Brood War, yeah. That, that's actually kind of what I've been doing to, for a while. Um, I actually haven't played in two days, but yeah. Um, a couple of Legacy players uh, have been just like running me to start started playing Brood War again. And like we all suck, so if you want to come and like just join us and Oh, 100%. Over. 100%. I will lurker the shit out of you. I feel like I need to learn this myself to come along and... Just die for all of you. I'll give it a go as well. <laughs> yeah, let's do that. That sounds fun. But seriously, Matt, have you played before? Oh, I used to play Brood War a lot back in, I would say, early high school. I played a lot with okay. my friends. But uh, I haven't played regularly in over 10 years. Yeah, that's that's kind of what we've been doing as well. Like we, <laughs> let's, not, let's not get too deep into how we, how much we suck. We actually streamed it for, like I think, two times and people tuned in. And I mean, 
that was somewhat kind of embarrassing, but I, I kind of enjoyed it. So if you if you want to see more Brood War, let me know. Then then I will actually end up streaming more of that more. But Caleb, what what have you been up to? Which old games that you shouldn't touch have have you been playing again? See, I didn't really play these old games, and now everyone's reminiscing about them. I kind of regret that. Are you twenty? Uh, Is that why? Were you born when these games came out? Or? I'm I'm twenty nine now, so oh, okay. I would have been around for them, but I just I was too busy being outside and being stupid and falling over and stuff. But um, you can try doing I, that again. I've been playing a lot of older MTG formats, though. Like I've ordered loads of cards for pre modern. We've been playing pre modern. So into it. I, I think I ordered about two hundred cards the other day or last week for pre modern. Just. I just want to own them. Like I was going through the carts or the mail order and like looking at these things like Master Cores and Spirit Mongers and God, I just love all these old cards so much. So been... Wait, that is pre modern? Like Masticore and Spirit Mongers? Yeah. 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 Wow. Like... It's basically old border constructed with yeah. no duels. That's basically the format. So it goes all the way until like excluding Merodine. Basically like... before eighth edition. But like Force of Will is banned. The ban list is pretty long. It's curated pretty well, I think. So like there's no degenerate combo, really. Like, there are combo decks, the very cool ones, but they are like, uh, there's like Drake Ultra of Dementia combo. And stuff. They're pretty bad. Let's, yeah, let's yeah, be. Exactly. So it's super cool, super fair. Like, Disenchant is a real card. Let's, yeah, it's a format where Disenchant card. is a real card. Yeah. There's like Order of the Even Hands. So I've been getting super into that and also playing Pre Nestrad Legacy, which we've mentioned here on a couple of times. I've been playing that a lot. We uh, we just finished our second league, and I played goblins in that, which was just so much fun to play old goblins. Where do you play that? Do you have like local leagues, or or do you play that? We've been playing um, over on Intergeo through Twitch. So we have a Discord, which we'll link in the show notes. And so we're about to start the third league. It's free to enter. There's no prizes because it's free, but it's really cool. We have like a bunch of pods, four or five pods. Then you play round robin between like six players, and then at the end of about two or three weeks, where you have to play, then it's a top eight. And we've managed to stream all of the top eights so far. So, yeah, very cool stuff. Like, definitely enjoying it. As I said, put it in the show notes. But, yeah, that's what I've been doing, getting into all the formats while Legacy's been going through some turbulent but kind of exciting times. And I've been playing that as well a bit. So Yeah, I mean, I'm, I'm sitting here looking at this, like, Jund Rock deck that I've built. And I am casting Birds of Paradise and trying to ramp into, like, Ravenous Baloths and Flame Tongue Cavus. And I get to play Recurring Nightmare with Deranged Hermit. It's basically all the things I want to do in Legacy but can't. It's so cool. Like, I think I ordered cards for Oath, uh, Rock, Madness, uh, Tinker Prism. It's like one of those <laughs> cool decks. It's just some... I, I could I gush about it for ages. Julian, how many cards did I order for Premodern? Um, I'm looking at the stack over there, and it's higher than my bookshelf. <laughs> <laughs> my bookshelf is not very high it actually has a couple of tiers it's t- <laughs> but yeah you you ordered so much like I, I if you want i can post a picture of the cards that arrived like sounds good yeah <laughs> i thought i was wondering like can we actually like talk about that um because i find it super interesting how there's like this huge price difference between europe and north america still for example like when we look at uh what's the one gilded drake that recently shot up again in europe you can still get it like for 70 euros Whereas on SCG and Channel Fireball, it's already sold out at like 140 plus. And I think that like, was it Channel Fireball who had it for even more? So it, lo- it looks to be like a $200 card soonish. I didn't realize it was that high. Like, because it's played in competitive EDH, it's reserve list, and now it's played in Esper Vile. Like, I guess it's people are just realizing it's another potential card that is going to stay high. I wonder. Well, so I bought three yesterday, in case anyone's wondering. <laughs> I wonder who re- recommended those. But mm, yeah, I, 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 I 
do wonder, right? Like we talk always talk about it, and I guess there's just like so much work that goes into that. So nobody's really setting that up. But if if you could program a way for people to directly order from MKM to the states, I think you could actually make quite a bit of money considering like the the price difference, the arbitrage you can get from that. Um, I, I think know. the problem is the time right now, right? The time of not having the cards in your hands. It's it's not too long to send over to the US. Like I guess it depends who you use. Like I've had some friends ask me to order a bunch of stuff. They get it sent to me, and I send it through UPS, which I get better rate through work. And it ends up being about twenty five to thirty dollars, I guess, and it gets there in three days. But I get cheaper rates, so I, I don't know. Maybe it adds up as well. The postage just getting it back over. But I've had a bunch of friends ask me to buy stuff and then send it over to them. Well, obviously, the real answer is to buy a vacation home in Germany. You have it sent, and then your manservant at your German vacation home mails it with your UPS account to your other vacation home in Manhattan. And then, of course. That makes so much more sense. And the money you save on MKM, you can just pay for that home with it. Well, that's what I was thinking. (laughs) Yeah. Oh, guys. MTG finance talk. Uh. (laughs) (laughs) Buy Buy a house in Germany. Yeah, there's beautiful villas in the in the mountains of uh, southern Bavaria. So, Matt, if you if you ever want to like step up your game and and get even deeper into the cross Atlantic uh, car trade, then maybe that's for you. <laughs> I could be tempted. <laughs> we can get an everyday eternal house. I'm down. Anyway, so should we uh, talk about this Lotus Box 1.5K that happened yesterday? Mm? I was pretty excited. Yeah, yeah, that, that sounds day. good. Julian, you played in it and you did pretty well. How did it go? Yeah, I I played the Esper Wild deck, and maybe like we give you guys um, a short idea of what Lotus Box is, because like when I told my friends here in Germany about the tournament, the first thing they asked me was like, "Wait, Wizards is releasing a Lotus Box? Is that like a Lotus reprint?" So uh, first of all, no, <laughs> I would be kind of imagine if they did that. Oh my god, like if they unlimited Lotus sales. Anyway, so Lotus Box is a team on the American SCG circuit, but to me at least, they're the, the they're really big, right? They're, they're bigger than... I don't really know the other teams, but this one, they put a lot of work in. They partnered with Cardboard Live for this event. And yeah, they are producing a tournament through MTG Melee, which I used for the very first time ever. It's a website that basically TOs your tournament. Like, it, it creates the pairings. It tells you uh, what your opponent's account name is. You report your results there. You actually get a pop-up of that decklist because it's open decklist. And I think that's really, really cool. Like that we have something like that. Like if you look back, we in other games. Like I remember, like in the early two thousands, even before that, like we we had ESPL and, and and stuff like that for for like Counter Strike, Quake, whatever, clan base back then. And now we have MTG Melee that basically does what other games have been doing for twenty years. And I mean, that's not even meant as a dig at Magic, but more like as a hey, we we actually have that now, which is really kind of cool. And that worked really well. Uh, the price payout was pretty steep, I want to say. We had like over 200 people. Uh, Anorak actually threw in an additional 500 to make it a 1.5k. And yeah, we, we only had payouts for the top eight. And I barely missed top eight. I went seven and two. I played Esperwile. Did really well. Started out six and one. And then in the penultimate round, I lost to <laughs> Yorian Bird Aluren, which is kind of wild. Um, the, the, the match... Uh, they actually like I, I rewatched it on the on the stream and yeah it's kind of complicated it, we i think at some point we had something like 40 permanents in play <laughs> if that's enough and yeah then lo- won the last round against Adrazi. like I, I managed to beat so many Adrazi decks along the way and yeah i'm finished i think in 14th place for unfortunately no payout after nine hours which is the only downside but i'm pretty like this is the first time they've done a legacy event like this i'm i would think they would adjust um 
maybe the payout in the future that that would something be something that makes sense i know that you can like earn leaderboard points but i don't really know what they actually contribute to so i don't really value them uh highly but yeah overall it, it's kind of cool the, the like the stream like the, i only rewatched my matches but from what i saw like commentators really really good they were actually like sitting in an extra studio yeah that's in their house as well they have like a lotus box house so it's it's a very professional setting and i think this is their like I'm definitely going to be wrong here and people correct me, but I think it's like their third, maybe fourth actual event they're doing in this setup. So like you said, I'm sure there were there were some other problems that I heard going on. So I'm sure they'll adjust as necessary, but it was really cool to have like legacy streaming all day. Like I missed this. It was absolutely fantastic. Yeah, somebody mentioned on Twitter um, that it actually evoked some kind of sense of community, which I find really cool because that's actually what happened. Because we, we had like, I think seven, eight, or maybe even 10 people streaming and that's basically like it gives you the sense that like an actual event is happening like when you can like jump between streams like when my watch was done i was i was going over to anorak see how he was doing and overall that was just like something's happening like when you play the legacy challenge you usually don't have that many people streaming i mean that's also kind of like an achievement of lotus box because they they invited a lot of streamers for example i got it in for free but overall like the payout was the the, the buy-in wasn't that expensive right you either had to sub to them or become one of their patrons so it was kind of easy to enter yeah so shout outs to them shout outs to mtg media and cardboard live and anorak for providing the money for the stream Huge shout out to anorak. yeah he, he yeah. said uh, he was pushing to get 100 subs so yeah, you're right. It was like five dollars to enter essentially because you enter by sub subbing to either his channel or um, to the Lotus Box channel, and yeah, he pushed it up and he just like was um, telling people about it, making people sign up, making people go. So he's partly to blame for the bad prizes. No, I'm completely joking. He he really made the event bigger and stuff. So huge shout outs to Anarag for pushing it further. Thanks. So um, we could also give you guys the top eight. So. We this top eight is kind of like lame duck format as much as you will call it because in first place we had Garuda, in second place we had Garuda, so we had a Garuda uh, finals. So um, ah, reminds me of the miracle finals of not too long ago. Yeah, yeah. So um, especially especially because we had the announcement today on companions changing, so this is going to be the uh, going to it. In third place we had Rug Delver. In fourth place we had DNT. Just like straight up DNT. There's been people playing Yori on DNT, but um, this is normal. In fifth, we had Blue Red Delver. In sixth, we had Humans. Very cool to see. Seventh, we had. Uh, it's labeled as Snow, but actually it's um, like one of the Chase uh, Punishing Thieves deck. So it's Yori and Punishing Thieves. And in eighth place, we had Hogak. So pretty diverse top eight apart from the. The finals being Gyruda, which I think will probably change now, coming up soon. But otherwise, we've got, got a couple of Delvers, we've got a DNT, got a Humans, and as I said, like Control Deck and Hogak. Feels pretty like a classic uh, top eight. What do you think? I find it funny that um, we actually had those two, two Gyruda decks meet in the finals because I honestly gotta say, I didn't give that much respect to the deck. Uh, I played it, it was good. And obviously, Bob won the PTQ with it. I just always felt like the deck isn't that good. Like the people are just misplaying against it. They don't know that they have to like counter the LED if, if they expect like Kevin of Souls or something. Um, but yeah, after after I stopped playing Esperwild for a while and started playing other decks, I got crushed by Geruda. Like I feel like Esperwild is doing pretty well against it. Like we have a ton of free counters. We have a, uh, well, we have four four uh, sorts of plowshare. Like we have ways to deal with it. But when I played Elves, and I mean, like I played in a league and I played against it like three times with Elves. I, 
I was ready to like throw the deck against the wall or rather my yeah. keyboard or something. The deck, it, it's as it is, like as you said, Bob on the PTQ, it took a while to really take off, but it took someone building it very well like he did to really push it over the top. Like he moved the Grim Monolith to the sideboard and like he realized what threats mattered and what threats didn't. So yeah, he, he really built it well and it's it's showing now. I think it is very clearly like one of the best decks until until today, as we'll get to. Yeah, the the mid-range plan is surprisingly consistent, right? For yeah. for a deck this powerful. Um something I've actually enjoyed. I don't know if people do it like that, but something I've been doing when I played the deck is when I side out the LEDs, for example, against control, I bring in the the Grim Monolith. Like you you can actually do both, right? You yeah. can either go play like a little more of a longer game by taking out the LEDs and playing Grim Monolith. Or you can also just bring in the Grim Monolith, for example, for Chalices or for Thought Nazi as matchups where you don't need them to get even more speed, which which is like a kind of nice thing to do. So yeah, the way it's like is built, I really, really like. I think something Eric did was he replaced the Dragon Lord Kodagan with, uh, what's it called, Sire of Insanity. Yep. Uh, I played that in the league and I really liked that. Um, I didn't really feel like the, the haste was all that right. I mean, there's games where it's relevant, right? But overall, the, the Sire of Insanity won me a ton of games. Yeah, the addition of the Dax duplicates also like, added to the unnecessaryness of the Dragon Lord because we explained how the combo worked before, but if anyone unfamiliar with the actual like one-turn kill is you play Garuda and it mills both players for four, then you hit a clone effect, which you then copy the Garuda and so on, and it keeps replicating the end of the battlefield trigger. Now, if you hit a spark double, it doesn't carry over the legendary status of the Garuda, so you can keep then copying that spark double with more clones. And then once you get a Dax duplicate copying the spark double, that one has haste. And so you can then copy that spark double Dax duplicate wombo combo to get enough Gyroders with haste that aren't legendary. So yeah, that's that's the next step. Like I think I saw people playing Dax duplicate at the very beginning, but I don't think people really realized how good it was with spark double and stuff. So that was good to see. Yeah, and now it's gonna be gun, I guess. Yes. <laughs> we, we we talk about the the can, uh, Canadian change now, the companion <laughs> change in in a minute. Um, but yeah, for for the rest of the decks that we see here, is there anything that sticks out to you that you, you guys want to like talk about? I mean, I'm looking at this Rock Delver deck, and it looks. I mean, depending on how long it's been since you played. So for me, again, being a little while, seeing Oko back into this deck is is nice to see. I see Hooting Mandrels has kind of made a comeback. Um, I notice that there's the new-ish um, indestructible creature dude in the sideboard. I can't read his name. Clothis. Yeah. Got so what do they – like, like run me through what's going on there. What's the – So we actually mentioned this card in the last podcast as we were like – coming into a new metagame after Lurus's band, saying this card's going to be one of the biggest performers, one of the most under-radar cards. And um, it's really for the snow matchup. So their removal is like, they don't have Council Judgment or Exile permanent effects. So their removal is Source to Plowshares, which this card is never going to be a creature, really. Um, they have like Abrupt Decay and other destroyer effects. So it's almost like you play it against the snow deck and then you protect. You don't even need to protect the queen. You just need to stay alive and it will eventually win. Yeah. So it's absolutely insane this card against snow control. So um, it's basically an unremovable, unremovable sulfuric vortex, like, like a one-sided yeah, sulfuric yeah, vortex cool. that also gains you life. Like, it's actually it's broken in in that regard. <laughs> yeah, it, it's really insane. So it's it's really for the snow control matchup as some, as I was saying, but it's it's just that good in a bad matchup, I'd say. So it makes sense. Well, I like it. It's a very cool card as well. So yeah, apart from that. 
nothing else stood out to me too much. It was almost like refreshing to see such a pretty cool, fairly diverse, as I said, those two Delvers, um, classic DNT, which we haven't seen put up in a result in, in a very long time. Humans, I think that deck is better than people still give it credit for. Uh, good to see it get a result. And Hogak, which one of my little loves. I, st I still feel like it's struggling in today's legacy format, slightly underpowered, too many bad matchups, but uh, it definitely beats blue deck sometimes. So, And is it really that bad? Because like the thing about Hogak always to me is that deck is scary. Like that deck is scarier to me than Dredge because like Dredge has ways to deal with hate. Hogak feels like it's much better at playing around hate and like it comes at you with almost the same kind of clock unless Dredge gets like a super busted hand, but that that kind of hand is also like sometimes stopped by just a single force of will. It's Whereas true. this one, it, it hits you like a truck full of zombies. It's, I mean, that's something, <laughs> right? Yeah, yeah, zombies and plants and God knows what. It's It doesn't have the same explosiveness as Dredge. Like it can have, like it's technically possible to kill in turn two in the God hand, but turn three combo kills with Ultra Dementia are not too rare. But like Dredge does it like by playing four therapies as well and dredge is definitely more explosive and yeah hogak just needs it still needs these key cards to resolve like you mulligan very aggressively to a hedron crab or a citrus supplier and something and a well-time force will st can still kind of like mess you up so yeah but do you know how bad it feels to force a full hedron crab <laughs> no, it's just just... great that card is broken hedron crab <laughs> too good yeah absolutely like that card is so good it's like every landfall is like draw one to two cards. I mean, I would love to put together a competitive mill deck for Legacy right now. That would be my dream. I mean, you can play Geruda. Like, Geruda can actually mill out the opponent. I've seen that a couple of times because, like, it mills both players. So you can basically get both players down to zero cards and then you, you don't even need to attack. You can just pass the turn. Or you can actually destroy your own your own Thought Knots here and make them draw a card. <laughs> I've seen that before. Yeah, so you can mill them out and then attack them with, like, 200 power of flailing tentacles Ugh. i know you like that matt I, i've seen your computer Ugh. that wasn't a sound of disgust i know it <laughs> so the companion change yeah so talking of garuda today we had a big announcement again we had we had one recently didn't we and now it feels like so soon again so why don't you tell us what they announced new companion rule once per game anytime you could cast a sorcery during your main phase, when the stack is empty, you can pay three generic mana to put your companion from your sideboard into your hand. This is, this is a special action, not an activated ability. I'm so disappointed that they called it the sideboard and the companion, not the Pokemon and the Pokeball, because that's, that's <laughs> spot on. So this makes them quite a bit worse. So <laughs> Yeah, I think with regards to Legacy, I think it kills um okay let's say it kills most of them because honestly like most of them are borderline playable anyway like is anybody gonna play eight mana to play that five five vanilla basically uh chagarta or whatever chakarta is i think it's the, the, the capital of of indonesia or something i don't know <laughs> <laughs> but i think yorian will still be around people like but the thing is like most people were already kind of down on Yorian. Like, I mean, you, you have guys like Anorak who didn't even play Yorian. He, he played, like, Lance or something. Maybe he also had Yorian on there, but that would surprise me in, in the Lotus Box tournament. And He did actually and, like, when, when He did have Yorian? Yeah, yeah. Oh, and I yeah. think that's one of the decks that will be the addiction. with Yorian. We can... 
Yeah, he, he was playing AT card, Yorian, lands, something. Oh, Jesus. It seems pretty good. It, it's, I was thinking about AT card, Nickfit, but I could just play AT card, Nickfit instead of playing Yorian. So, I mean, you know, whatever works for I you. Need, I need to link you some uh, lists from this player called Solnox, who's been winning. He's got five O's with 110 card, Nickfit. Oh, Jesus. 110 card. He basically brought almost two decks to the tournament. Basically, he, he thought 80 cards was boring. Like in my ex-girlfriend say, I can't make up my mind. <laughs> it, yeah. It's more like, wait, I've got an answer for that. Green sends Zenith 4, hold on a second. And... <laughs> yeah, good luck even drawing your Green Sun Sun in the first place. I like how, how like Nick fit a deck that tries to abuse a very specific card. Veteran Explorer goes up to like 110 cards and it's like, yeah, whatever. You know what? But when I see and when I hear stuff like that, and also when we have like Yorian, I really, really want a super dedicated aggressive aggro deck to come back and just like take advantage of them struggling, paying mana for Astrolabe, for Ponder. <sighs> I, and like, then I want Zoo a- just comes back and... Yeah, but Sue is like slower than Bird, than, than, than Deva some, some of the time even. Like. Humans is the deck you're looking for here. Yeah, you, you might actually be right, but also Eldrazi, I guess. Yeah. But let me just finish the story. So he 5-0'd with, a, with 80 card Nick Fit. And, no, sorry, not 80 card, because that's, that's normal with Yorin. He, he 5-0'd with 100 card Nick Fit. And his first thing to do wasn't like, you know, say, this is amazing, I did this, blah, blah. It was to add 10 more cards. He's like, I can go bigger. <laughs> he's just like I'm going to add 10 more cards every time I fovo with this until something happens and so recently he's been playing 120 card Yorian Nick Fit and it's it's something right you know what it reminds me of that reminds me of that that game that Japanese game is called like We Love Katamari Katamari where you, you're playing like as a ball and the ball is sticky it's always rolling just, up yeah I remember that yeah you roll around the world and everything sticks to the ball and like first off you're like just a, like as big as a football and then you keep growing and suddenly you become like as big as a car as a skyscraper as a city until you, you eventually like your goal I guess is to absorb everything like all all so I guess that's going to be our end music now. I don't know this game, but it sounds just like what he's doing. It sounds very Japanese, right? <laughs> I, I, I want to see speedruns of that game. Sounds great. What were we talking about now? We were talking uh, we, about Yorian and uh, Yorian lands, as we were saying. Yeah, we basically were talking about how I think this puts Yorian over the edge with regards to unplayability. Because, like, you know, this, like, we, we talk about this every day. Like, is Yorian really going to be a thing still? Or are gonna, people just going to play, like, 60 cards now and ignore Yorian and stuff? And a lot of people seem to be kind of down on Yorian. And now, I think it's not that, right? It's still, like, flying around somewhere there in the sky because you yeah. you can still use it, especially in decks that really want to go late, like, but that don't really care about the extra three mana. Um, but think, overall, quite a lot of them. I think like this lands deck that you mentioned that Anarag was playing is an example of a deck that could be playing it. I, I think I still feel like we haven't had enough time, even before this change, to really understand which which version of Snow was better. Like my gut was saying, Yorian Snow was a bit better, but it wasn't like a proven thing or something that people knew for sure. So now with this change coming in, obviously it's a lot worse. But I feel like three mana for these kind of decks. Like these decks are not using their mana turn five to play Yorion very often. Yeah. So they're still removing threats or they're like pulling ahead with an Oko or Uro. They're casting Uro very often on that turn. I think the cost of three mana is not very high. And I think Yorion is the companion that loses the least, at least, from all these things. Mm-hmm. Yeah. 
you make an inter- interesting point about um, the the land deck, for example, uh, or so I was want to say the the bird Aluren deck that I lost to. That's also the kind of deck where I think they would still keep playing Yorian because if you okay. if you watch the match, like those games go really really late. They have like ten plus lands in play. I think that the snow decks, like the snow decks as we know them right now, they don't have enough inevitability that they would really want the games to go that long to then abuse Yorian. I think, I mean, I could be wrong. Like, this is not like a super strong opinion I hold, but I feel like the 60-card snow deck as it's constructed right now should be what it is. And then if you want to, like, make make a Yorian deck out of it, you probably would need to make some structural changes. Yeah, I think this is a very easy, like, answer to a lot of these kind of questions we have, but it really does depend on how the metagame shakes out. Like, we've seen... I don't know who's been like paying super close attention to the challenges and stuff, but there's been a lot of combo. And like, well, again, Garuda coming first and second is proof, although that deck is changing. I've been seeing a lot of combo coming out, and like, there's always a little bit more combo in the leagues than there is in bigger tournaments. But combo is just good against the snow decks, especially if you either go under them or you can go over them in a sense with Veil of Summer, Defense Grid, or that kind of thing. So. If people keep playing these combo decks to combat snow, I think you don't want to be playing this extra 20 cards, especially now, especially when your payoff costs extra mana. Like, that's not where you want to be. But if the metagame shakes out to being more Delver or especially more mid-range, as we talked about last time about the snow decks, if you go into a mirror and you don't have Yorion and your opponent does, you will be happy, very happy to pay that three mana to have this trump True. in a mirror. So it's going to really depend what people pick up in in the end of this it's really hard to tell actually so we'll just have to see how it all shakes out yeah i, I always feel like it, it, it takes like not only like a couple of weeks it usually takes like a month or two for for an untouched meta game to really shape out in, in a certain way um i mean we we run this podcast to make predictions to give our thoughts about stuff and that's basically part of the of the process right of, of forming an opinion and and seeing what like we're basically throwing a bunch of stuff at the wall and see what sticks so you don't have to if you <laughs> i mean you in every single pie and you'll eventually get something right <laughs> basically and yeah i i do wonder i hope it doesn't get to a point where it's basically you either play snow with or without yorian and if you don't have it and you run to the mirror then you're screwed because that's that's always a bit of a feel bad. Like you you want people to be able to play it. It's just like sometimes I see them play the fifth color for Pyroblast, and I feel like this is so degenerate. But in the mirror, like if you have the fifth color, like they don't really punish mana bases at all, no. uh, except for like the the dual mana bases back to basics, I guess. But in the mirror, if you have Yorian and Pyroblast, and the other guy get neither, like good luck. Like you you can't even like draw them out with like a quick draw. Like what are you gonna do? Like play a one one on turn two and three? Like good luck. <laughs> yeah, I mean that's the thing. Pyroblast is actually a very low cost in these decks. You can play one volcanic, and then you have um, astrolabes and stuff. Even if you're playing sixty card. Um, well, I guess they already play four color, no red very often as well. It's like bug, splash, source to plowshares. So, yeah, I mean, I still think it's a pretty low cost just to have a, a volcanic island and then have such a huge edge with Pyroblast. And I wonder if Pyroblast 60 card Yorian beats 80 card no Pyroblast Yorian. I would think so. Like, if you have like one Pyroblast main, three sideboard, maybe even like four sideboard, like people play, play a lot of Pyroblast. Uh, it was the most played. Man, I tweet way too much. There it is. So the most sideboarded cards in the Legacy 1.5k of the Lotus Box League, um, if you combine Pyroblast and Red Elemental Blast, which for the sake of this question we probably should, that's 184 copies of sideboard space uh, of all p- participants. 
184, and the second most played card is Surgical Extraction at 146. And I think for a long, long time, like Surgical Extraction was always the most played sideboard card, and that's that's quite the lead. They, they have being so high really surprised me as well because it seems just not very good right now. It's like it's not good against Garuda, so that's interesting. But it's still a pretty big lead for Pyroblast. So yeah, yeah. Just out of interest, we also have Veil of Summer, like 133 copies. Uh, and then in fourth place, Leyland of the Void, 112. Mindback Trap at 99 copies. Mindback Trap is seeing a lot more play, and I think that's also because of Garuda, right? Mindback Trap was always that thing you could add if you wanted to in special kind of decks, but most people didn't. But against Garuda, it's yeah. one of your best bets. It's still yeah, it seems pretty darn good. Played or- it's also played in Garuda, so maybe that inflated the numbers. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but I'm, I'm surprised by the graveyard hate people chose because, as I said, they have ley lines and surgicals, and they just don't line up with the format currently. Like, Reanimator is around, but I don't know. I think you need, like, something that crosses over with Fair potentially, like Nihil Spellbomb or something. But, like, these cards are not how you beat the graveyard decks right now, which, is, which was Garuda. I don't know. You need Crafting's Cage, in my opinion. Also, Abrupt Decay was the 8th or 7th, depending on how you count, most played sideboard card at 59 copies. Yeah. <laughs> this is basically the only like less dedicated card. Like All the other cards, like Mindbook Trap, Crafting's Cage, Layla, and Surgical Whale, Pyroblast, they always have something very specific in mind that they want to target. And it's either the Graveyard combo or Blue. I guess those are always like the three things that you have to balance, right? And and then abrupt decay is just a. It's, it speaks a lot about how how generally applicable abrupt decay is. But yeah, my read of that is Hogak was very popular because there's not many other decks that play decays in the sideboard. I think <clears throat> there's elves. <clears throat> oh elves! Oh yeah, I've heard, yeah, I've heard of that one. <laughs> okay, okay. No, no, I've heard about elves. Fair enough. So Hogak, elves, reanimator. Um, Gotten there, so okay. It's interesting that's so high then, because I think Hogak has always been quite popular in the kind of SCG grinder like sub game, because a lot of the best players are perceived to pick up um, blue decks because they're the most consistent, and then Hogak's meant to beat them. So I can see it. Yeah, to to, to have like one last com- comment on Hogak is something I really appreciate, and I think a lot of other people do that as well. It re- it's very, very punishing on anybody that struggles. Like, your opponent walks into the match, and then, like, after the first turn, they like, uh, you know, uh, when you're like, ah, I, ne- I need this to go right for me, like, Hogak is the one that comes in and, like, hits you in the face and steals your cards and reports to the judge. Like, this, like Hogak is insane at, at punishing people that struggle. Just like, you know, how good Canadian threshold draws are, like, they, they also, like, struggle you really hard. Struggle? No. <laughs> they I punish guess, you really hard. Yeah, it's that, those hands where you're like, ah, Let's see how this goes. Maybe as your mulligan, ah, nah, let's just see what happens. And then you just get Stifle, Wasteland, Lightning Bolt, your mana-producing guy. Oh, okay. Yeah, and you die on turn <laughs> three to, like, a bunch of zombies. I, that, I really, I can't stress how much I appreciate, like, you know, Nietzsche would be proud of of that. Like, that, that, that Hogak is the kind of deck that Nietzsche would play. Like, he, that's <laughs> like, there's a complete, like, there would probably like a different episode, like, what, which deck would philosophers play? But yeah, Hogak uh, is a Nietzsche deck. <laughs> yeah. God, you're very aggressive with decks, aren't you, Julian? I've never really noticed it till now. But you're like, oh, I just want people punished. I want them to get crushed yeah. for their greed. Maybe, which I, maybe I th- th- that's a very common theme for me. I don't know. Like, I, I hate it when people try to cut corners 
and be like, oh, I actually, you know, I could add gifts and give in to my control. Like, like yeah, you're going to die because Steplings is going to attack you for four in the second turn. Such a very German thing. It's like, ah, everyone else, when they cut corners, you have to do it the right way, the <laughs> German way. <laughs> the right corner is the four attack power on turn two or whatever. Yeah, that's also what you do, like, as a German, when before you stifle somebody, you say, ah. <laughs> just like you did. No, yeah, but somebody cracks their like fetch line, puts in the graveyard, picks up their library, and you're like, wait a second. Excuse me. <laughs> it's also what I do in Cube. I think, especially, like, once Cube started becoming big, like, I started, like, we played a lot of Cube locally. I would always play the Fun Police, like, the red deck, because people just picked, like, they, they would first pick, like, Fact or Fiction, and, like I mentioned, Gifts Ungiven, all the cute shit, and Primeval Titan, and they just want to cast it, and I, I don't know, man. You you have to do something. You have to play magic. Like, if you want to just slam your haymakers and your bombs and blow me out that way, that's not magic to me. I don't know. That's I, I want to be like... I feel like every time I play Cube, that red deck builds itself, because you draft, and you're like, wait, nobody's taking Flametongue Kavu? Okay, I guess I'll take For it. For good reason. Well, Flametongue Kavu is a mid-range card. That's okay. But like, but you know what I mean. Like, those cards come around, and you're like, this deck is just building itself. Okay, fine. It's true. But that's, uh, we could go into a cube cast. <laughs> my, my, my hate for mono red and cube is... Oh, really? Um, <laughs> that <way>. Then it's <laughs> doing something right if you hate it. It's true, it's true. Yeah, that's definitely who I am as a player. That's why I always liked... I, I like Dava strategies. I like strategies that punish opponents who don't understand their role in the matchup, and especially their shifting role in the matchup, which is like why I like Elf so much. And now with Espa Control... I think people don't even understand anything. Okay, that's... Honestly, I didn't mean to be, like, condescending. Like, I don't even understand the deck very well. I understand it better than I used to, like, a month ago, but I still don't even understand it enough to even make, like, a single change to, to the deck list that well, Jeff gives me. on paper, you're just like, wow, this is, like... You can see the obvious synergies, like Soul Herder plus Cruise of the God. God, there's a lot of 1-1s in this deck and 2-2s and just, like, little scrappy cards. And that's the secret why it's good against Snow, is there's nothing that the removal is good against, apart from, like, Soul Herder, maybe. Like, you kill it with the scraps. You have you both go into a big feast, you start having a meal together, and then in the end of it, there's just scraps on the table, and that's what you use to kill your Snow opponents. Yeah, pretty much, right? Uh, Chef called it the, the Tutor Network, which I find is an amazing way to, to describe the deck, because everything slots into everything. Like, you, you get Recruit of the Guard going, and then you just go crazy. Then, like, you can get Soul Herder for recurring triggers. You, then Soul um, Recruit of the Guard finds you either, like, Sparrowseeker if you need removal, or you can find, like, Meddling Mage if you want to stop something proactively. You can find Gilded Drake if you want uh, some other kind of removal or just steal your opponent's stuff. If you want some better card selection, you, you get, like, Charming Prince or even, like, Bale for Strix right away. But why would you even need card selection you already have the tutor engine anyway this deck is it's it's the boa constrictor that you don't see coming like it comes into the game it slowly closes things out and you don't even understand why because like this is just like a weenie creature deck like how is that even possible but something that also like against snow for example something that happens a lot is you go recruiter of the guard into recruiter of the guard into recruiter of the guard because what are they going to do about that Target. Block with their 1-1 one, one Death Touch or, like, make it a 3-3, three, three, be my guest, right? And so, they do as well. They have to block with the Strixes and stuff. It's great. Like, I've, I've played it twice now, so very small sample size. I played it in one challenge where I just lost to Dredge twice and I beat two Snow Decks on the way. And, yeah, I recruited for recruited for recruited for recruited in one game. And they just, like, didn't have anything going on. And then they, like, start making some melts with an Oko, but you flicker them out and stuff. And, yeah, you just do all the cool things. 
Yeah, and that's that's also what goes back to like how Snow lacks inevitability. Like sometimes you have other control decks. Like that's also part of why I struggle to call it like a control deck, but that's a different episode. Like I I talked about nomenclature in one of our chats, I think. But um, it doesn't really have that thing where it goes like morphling kill you and treat the angels kill you. It just goes like okay, I have like this one one and this three three. Oh, and I have the six six, but it also doesn't really do anything other than like draw more cards and gain life. And I mean, not that Uro is a bad card, but we have the tools to to beat that. Like you gilded, have you ever like gilded dragged an Uro? Not Pretty good. I hope so one day. <laughs> I mean, it looks crazy. Well, a little little correction on what you were saying just now. You said uh, tutoring up gilded Drake. You can't quite do that. So this is why. You're oh yeah, yeah. Three in Jeff's sideboards. That's true. But that's true. Other than that, every single thing is tutorable, which is just crazy. Like. You just have so much selection at your hands. and like The weird thing was he's been playing two Ponder up until recently, and we were having this discussion about Ponder feels clunky. It's so weird to say in a deck full of three mana one ones, but you just don't need that selection because you have so much available at your hands. It's good to hit your land drops or like find a vial earlier, but I think he was saying he's going to cut them as well. So it's a really weird way to look at the deck in a way that Ponder is... It doesn't sound right, too slow, but... Yeah, <laughs> it doesn't. You know the thing about Pondas, it doesn't really contribute to doing something. And this deck can use its mana pretty well on every single turn. Like you know, the the, the concept of a Sly deck. Um, like people associate Sly with like mono red burn, but it's really like the concept of using your mana for 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 good, <laughs> for the sake of humanity. Every every single like for your own good, every single turn. Yeah, and I mean this isn't exactly a Sly deck, but it it kind of is. <laughs> yeah. It- I guess I can see the comparison because Sly is about curving out, right? Like attacking with creatures, getting the damage in, finishing it with burn. Whereas here, Ponder takes you off curve. You're not playing your creatures on, on curve, which is where they're more effective as well. And there's a very lot, like creatures start at two and three mana and they go up. And then at five mana, you have Recruiter for uh, Charming Prince or Baleful Strix. At six mana, you have Recruiter for Soul Herder. And like, your curve really just like scales with the amount of mana you have available to you rather than you play a card and that's your turn done kind of thing. So there's so much agency available to it. it I just like how much this deck really exploits that. I keep going back to snow. Maybe, maybe I really have like a problem with snow in my head. Like I <laughs> got to talk to somebody about that. Well, I mean, that's why I'm here, right? <laughs> not really control. Yeah. Yeah. That's basically my thing, right? That's, that's, that, that's my tagline. Snow is not control. Um, it really abuses Snow's inability to, to like beat stuff that does things differently. And Espervile does things very differently. It has insane card advantage. The card advantage is tied to like a bunch of random shit, but it works. And that's just the, the, just a thing of beauty. And that's why I enjoy the deck so much. And yeah, the, even unearth like unearth is just like one single black mana and you can even oh i love that, that card on, so much yeah you can even do that off the spell seeker and it just like gets you straight into your engine if you ever like lose your recruiters your soul herders whatever it, it just like makes a keep i wish you could also get back palace jailer and Wenza, but i mean the card is already broken don't need to break it even further palace jailer is the card that holds the whole engine and late game together as well like that card is absolutely insane and it's, it's seen a lot of play in Legacy, like especially Death and Taxes, and people have played it in Miracles to an extent, Stoneblade. But I still feel like it should be played more. Like It's better than Jace the Mind Sculptor a lot of the time. It's mm-hmm. so powerful. Like, it's crazy to think about. It can be bad against some strategies. It's pretty bad against Ice Fang Quartal and Baleful Strix and stuff. And Trinum Nemesis has been a bit out of the limelight, but it was very bad against that. But otherwise, yeah, 
just now rather than having like having to play two of two of them or something and Kandrup into it, now you can just like recruit her for it and Espival completely gums up the board as well, so it's very hard to get through. Yeah. So it's still the monarch. Something I also really like, and, and we are talking like about minor tactics, not about overall strategy now, but Gilded Drake, when you use it, it goes to your opponent's side of the board. And then Charming Prince, like that's something I learned in the tournament. Charming Prince flickers one of your cards. And when we usually say that, it means cards or creatures we control. But for some reason that only the designers of Throne of Eldraine understand, it must have been a theme there. Charming Prince actually flickers a creature you own, not a creature you control. It took me like over a month to actually get that. So you can use Gilded Drake, steal your opponent's Uro, then you bring in Charming Prince, you flicker the Gilded Drake on the other side of the board, it comes back on your side, steals another creature, and then goes back to the other side, ready to be used again. Like Then you have like Soul Herder and Charming Prince. <laughs> like the, in the inevitability that you can build yeah. with this deck is insane. I didn't really understand the Gilded Drake at first, but you can also like Teferi minus three it, where you can Flicker Whispered as well, has the same clause as Charming Prince. You can rent it, yeah, there's, there's so many ways you can go about that. And this deck is really good at also like shutting down random 3-3s, three even though like in, in the in the 1.5k I played, um, damn you Anorak, why did you have to add the 500? It's so awkward to say 1.5k. Any, <laughs> um, in, in the tournament I played, I struggled quite a bit against Gilded Drake, but overall, oh, it's just, it's, I mean, there's a reason the card is so expensive. And I guess on top of that, there's also, also that stupid speculation, I guess, that goes about it. But... That card is really good. We, I don't know, maybe we, we as a format in general have been sleeping on the card almost. The thing is, in the past, control decks didn't really use like creatures you want to steal. Like, what are you going to guild a trick? Like a Snapcaster Mage, like a Vendillion click? But now that they have... Or Uro, Trinity Nemesis, like you're not going to... That doesn't do anything. Yeah. <laughs> I feel I feel like that card was just... The only time when you were using that back in the day was basically with like Sneak and Show and stuff, right? Where you'd like, maybe they'd have to um, show and tell in their, I don't know, Emrakul or whatever, and you'd be like, ah, I got you with the Gilded Drake. And it's like, but then we went away from that, right? Yeah, I think I've only seen, until now with Esper Vile, I think I only ever saw it in sideboards of like Burn and Goblins and some other tribal decks as like, haha, gotcha against Show and Tell. Like, that's it. Yeah, Goblins, I've actually seen it in the past, that's true. But yeah, it, it pretty much fell out of favor once we, we got omniscience, right, in 2000. Uh, I want to say. 12, that's the one where I tore my ACL. It must be 12. 12 or 13. <laughs> yeah, 12, right. Too long ago. Yeah, yeah. Slightly veering back onto topic to a bit, how do you think Espival is positioned now with the companion change? Okay, since I already um, emptied my glass of wine and I'm ready to add a little bit more, it's the best deck ever created in, man <laughs> in the history of mankind. Like, forget about tricks, forget about Necro. Forget about the Academy deck. All of decks bow before the mighty Charming Prince and his friends. This is some crazy praise. <laughs> no, seriously. <laughs> like, I think this is this is one of the best decks in the format. I can't like the thing is, I can't get myself to call it the best deck in the format because I don't really feel like Legacy is in a spot right now where anybody can really make that call. But if you ask me whether it's tier one, it's very much tier one. And part of that is that people don't re still don't understand it well, like even the people playing it. Um, <laughs> at least, um, I think, I guess Jeff understands it. Like, I'm, uh, it rarely happens that I talk to somebody whom I learn that much from um, than I do learn from Jeff when he talks about the deck. 
And I've, I've tried to just watch all his streams and try and take everything in. Like he says to bring in Gilda Drake against Control, and then I just thought that sounds crazy to me. I don't understand it. And then watching him stream, he starts like vile them in, stealing Leovold in response to them brainstorming and like taking Uro as you said. And wait, he stole Leovold in response to a brainstorm. That guy's a master. Yeah. Okay, I'm gonna I gotta drink <laughs> one more glass on him. <laughs> <laughs> That was that was a crazy. I think I think it might be in a ponder. Actually, now I'm thinking back. I can I even imagine like how it would work out, right? Sorry to interrupt you. That he would just sit there and the opponent would play brainstorm, and he would like a killer, like cold heartedly. He would just be like, "Huh? Huh? Yeah. Let me exactly. activate my wire, and then he would do that, and the opponent would be like, direct rage in front of their computer. <laughs> that's that's what the deck sometimes does to you. <laughs> yeah, it's very very cool. So, yeah, I mean, I I, I think I agree with your summary. It's super powerful deck and i still feel like i don't understand it well enough and i want to play it more you've been playing it a lot and you're saying you don't understand it fully i think people are starting to really understand it to like a first level like stuff and like when you play a recruiter in the past they'd be have no idea what you're getting but now the lists become fairly stock and they can they can be aware that gilded drake is part of the deck and you have a Vencer, you have a palace jailer and things like that so I don't know how much this will affect it. Like, there are some cards that are very good against it. A well-timed Plague Engineer can be good. But as you were saying, Jeff thinks about this deck so deep. I've asked him about a weakness against Plague Engineer, and he said, well, I've tried to separate all the creature types as, like, spread thinly as possible to, to mitigate the power of that card against the deck and stuff. So these are the kind of things he really considers, which is quite impressive. Humility? Humility, yeah. yeah. <laughs> if you had a time machine, maybe. Yeah, humility is going to destroy this deck i guess you can either counter it with a force of will or to fairy bounce it but yeah humility is going to be good does humility actually have a spot in, in legacy right now that's actually interesting like mm. if you imagine you brought it in against snow that would probably not be great because no. they could still get like three threes and also like just have planeswalkers and, and somehow win that yeah. way i think there's gonna be a lot of a decent amount of combo to combat snow as well so Maybe as a cyber option, like it, it is going to be a very good card. Like you could even play Torporob. I think I found Khan the Great Creator to be very good against Espervile. Like you get a lot of creatures down and you can attack it, but if you can lock that out and then turn off the vials as well, maybe you can have Khan with a Torporob in the sideboard so you can't like flick a wisp stuff. Dude, as soon as you mentioned Torporob, my eyes went wide open because we are so soft to Torporob. Yeah, that's that's one of the things that I like talk to Jeff about and and uh, and. I feel like we can't remove artifacts or enchantments very well. Like we have Teferi, we have Renza, and after sideboarding we have Act of Authority. If I really lose, I either lose to, okay, I guess Yorian Birdalorn. No disrespect <laughs> to my opponent. That deck was really sweet. I yeah. really like that deck. They ended up, I think, not making top eight. They felt just short in the last round. And But yeah, of, of the more commonly played decks, like anything using Chitter, which already isn't that used, that much used anymore, which I guess also explains why this deck is so good. But yeah, if, if the opponent gets a chitter online, it's sometimes really quite hard for me to come back. Yeah, Stoneforge has been out of the format for a bit, but I can definitely see a Jitte plus True Name kind of classic uh, blue-white Stoneblade. Being like Esperblade or Stoneblade, yeah. I mean, now that you said Torpor Orb and trouble removing artifacts, I was like, time to dust off my Dreadstill deck and give it a... There's, there's, have you seen Shark Typhoon? <laughs> I, I <laughs> is that a movie or a static deck? <laughs> Funny you should mention it, but yes, I've heard of it. Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that card is fantastic with standstill. I, I, there's a few people in the Dreadstill thread who are like, we should be playing for Shark NATO or whatever it's called. It's and cool. 
I had a friend, uh, Nicholas Holdman, say he bought some from Harry U and he's like, Callum, you have to make a deck with it now. And he, I think he messaged me like four times within a, couple, a week or two saying, where's my deck? Where's my deck? And I was like, hey, fine. Sorry, sorry. I'm being really slow. So I made it, posted it to Twitter. And then a friend of ours, uh, Thomas Mekin, like the next day said, oh, I 5 would with it. Seems really cool. It's probably not very good. Not as good as traditional control, but... Was well, it was good enough to beat me along the way. Oh, we beat you, didn't it? Yeah. Oh, it's pretty <laughs> yeah. easy league then. Yeah, not that that says much, right? Yeah. <laughs> you know what I like? I like that Matt actually mentioned in the thread. Like Matt is one of the yeah. few last people still going through the stars as opposed to using discards. You damn kids and your discords. Yeah, I don't. Th- I don't think it's because Discord is necessarily better. It's not a better platform per se. It's just. The discussion has really died down in the source, so it, it's a combination of everyone kind of dropping off. And I, I read it at work today. I still browse the source at least two times a week and read stuff. But oh, you do? Yeah, I'm, I'm still interested in it. I, I kind of have this really strong love for the site still. Like, I can't oh, same for me, dude. Same for yeah. me. Like, I still use the, the, the my the source playmat, right? I just yeah. feel like it's What's such it? it's maybe the biggest influence in the history of legacy on legacy as a whole. Okay. People could argue, okay, if the source hadn't existed, then maybe some other website had existed. Yeah, but that that's the website that everybody used forever. And it's so cool that it's still around. And I, I wish, like, you know, there, there was a way for it to become more relevant again. Because, like, people still use forums. Like, if I go to, I guess, Team Liquid, that's always the thing I, I compare mm-hmm. Magic to because I want Magic to have a Team Liquid website. But, yeah, people still use it. Like, if, if we, it's, it's just, like, something I'm thinking about. I kind of want a way implemented for the stars to become more relevant and in the forefront of everybody again. I mean, I can totally see myself getting hoisted on pitchforks here and just thrown to the lions, but it could migrate to Discord. You'd have the same people talking, but I realize there's a lot of kind of purists, I don't know if that's the right word, that that is the place and it should always stay there. Yeah, technically, if you made all the threads, Discord channels, that's that it would basically somewhat operate the same. The thing is, in a forum, you always feel there goes more effort into actually posting something as opposed to typing up five short messages on... That's on what I miss. From, like, on Discord, I, I make a big effort to make longer posts usually, but it's definitely not the norm. So, yeah, yeah. I, I do miss a lot about the source. So. Well, we can change it. I mean, I'm going to yeah. still keep posting, right? And people are going to tell me, did you check the Discord? And I'll say, fuck you. You young workers never. Dude, we, we have our own Discord. I just like did a lot of work on our Patreon to unify my my own Discord and the, and our Discord. So uh, fuck the everyday eternal Discord. <laughs> Matt is legally not allowed to enter any kind of social thingies because of his status in the military. Maybe you could like use your wife's account or something. <laughs> I guess I could, but. <laughs> yeah so yeah that's that's just the thing about the source it's i'm glad it's around it's the, the people behind it they're, they're still working on it i mean i'm i'm also a moderator i every once in a while when i get an email about like a threat i i do remove stuff but they also added new moderators and it's it's good to see it's keeping on existing and shout out to the people moderating it still and and post you on there like i do feel bad for not chatting more like like i said i really do love the place so yeah, we should make an effort to post more there as well. Matt, when are, when are we going to see you back on the dance floor? When are you going to play Mag- Mag- Legacy again? I'm waiting you for know? a paper Legacy tournament. I know we've been talking about maybe getting into Magic Online, and I was just like, eh. You know, it's really about the fun of sitting around with a bunch of my friends. and and um, Dude, you have no idea how much fun it is to stream. Like, the one time we wanted to stream when you were at my place in Europe, you, you remember okay, how you pretty- fell asleep right before the stream started? Yeah, that was pretty funny. He did it on purpose. We know. <laughs> no, it was the most miserable thing in my entire life, seriously. 
that was so bad. It was half past 11 in the evening and Matt was like, no, 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 let's do streaming. Let's do streaming. Because he, I, I guess you've, you had never streamed or something. And I was like, yeah. oh, can we just go to bed? He was, no, 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 let's stream. Okay. What should we stream? And then Matt picks the deck I single-handedly hate the most. And not for power level, just how it plays. And that's Chant. <laughs> And he tells me, no, no, this is great, this is great. And then I, it takes me like half an hour to put together the deck because back then we didn't have card holder yet and stuff. And I'm like, hey, can I borrow this? Can I borrow that? And then Matt is sitting on my couch and I'm sitting on my computer and then I start the stream and I play this super miserable deck that I don't enjoy at all. Like I look around at some point and like <laughs> Matt is just asleep and snoring. I'm like, fuck, I still have to keep going with this. Like, oh. Amazing. <laughs> Yeah, I still have it saved at Matt's wet dream because he was so insistent on like playing the deck because it's so great. But oh, dude. <laughs> I want to watch this. <laughs> well, so it's, it's probably not a highlight on my stream. Like, I have to warn you. <laughs> it was probably lost to time. Yeah, it probably is. So are we excited to work on any particular decks going into this next little while? I bet Calum is. Calum is always working on something. Yeah, I hope so. I want to find something. I'm still pretty high on Esper Vile, but we've talked about a lot this podcast and the last one. I mean, the last few decks I've kind of worked on or helped make because the of one mind Grixis thing when Delver was good because removal is good against Delver. Previously, when Snow was good, there was like the Primeval Titan deck. So I feel like something like that could come back again. Um, it, it needs We need some more time to see what starts like performing the best and stuff and then yeah nothing nothing's like clicking in my head i'm definitely excited to keep now that like loris and all this is gone i really wanted to get back to enchantress because i thought i was actually i really enjoyed playing the deck and i think it's very powerful and there's something about activating your destiny spinner land and like swinging and they're like okay so what am i oh it's like oh wait it has haste and it's like well it has trample and 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 people don't really understand the interaction. They're like, okay, Destiny Spinner, yeah, whatever. And then you play Sterling Grove, and they're like, okay. And then they're like, okay, Swords, are, and they're like, no, it's actually protected. And like, oh no, you can't you can't counter this now. Oh, I just played Humility, or not Humility, yeah. but you know, you play something else, and they're just like, oh my god, what the hell is going on? Taps are a Sanctum and a Wild Growth and a Forest. Here's three ten tens. Exactly, yeah. And then they're just like, okay, and then they've got their Oko, and they're fumbling around with these elk, and you're like, okay, I'm swinging for, uh, you know, 22 yeah. with trample at you, and they're it's just insane. like, uh, fuck. There has been a bill recently with Yorian and with Reality Acid. I don't know if you've seen that. No, don't remind. Guys, do, you, do we have to do this tonight? Like, you keep talking about all the decks that destroy me. <laughs> I, I recently had a stream where, like, the, the guy was, like, reality asseting all my lands and it came back to the hand every time. Like, what the Matt, fuck? Don't, don't show him the list of all the decks he's lose to. We have it to the side, though. I have a tendency to lose to like, shit decks. Like, come on. It's not a shit deck. I almost was going to mention a deck that I actually really like. That, that you I mean, it's like round to. one or two of a GP, right? You're like, okay, I'm prepared for everybody. And then somebody shows up and you're like affinity what the fuck like i wasn't expecting you and then you just get rolled you know i've never been the been of the kind who was like oh i just need the two buys so i don't have that i, I find that so incredibly condescending when people are like oh i won't play my teched out delver list because i don't have buys and i might run into a deck that plays all ravenous ballad and stuff dude delver is not only good because it beats like the crap delver also is decent at beating the non-crap and yeah. Oh, I hate that. I hate you know that attitude, right? When people are like, "Oh no, I oh, don't have sure. buys. I'm so sorry. I can't play my sophisticated deck." No, like, yeah, but it's the best when you're that shit pile that somebody plays against. They're like, "Oh yeah, I brought my tech," and you're just like, "Seed Rhino, Seed Rhino, recurring never Seed Rhino." Yeah, I was going like, to say you might know what? something yeah. about that. <laughs> and they're just like, "What did I do?" And then when they quit the tournament, you've won. 
because you just outgrind them. Is Seatrider ever won a tournament outside of standard? Uh, I mean, I've done I've done local tournaments, but that's not that doesn't count. Here's so. a quick perfect story for this uh, thing. I was GP Birmingham, I guess three ish years ago, and I was playing Miracles. This was after Top got banned, and I won by from Planeswalker points. And then the day before, friends were playing in the trials, and they said, "Are you going to play in trials?" Like, no, nah, no, nah, I really, I hope I don't play against Burn Round Two, but I'm just gonna just play it out. It's fine. I prefer to like not spend the money, see friends and stuff, and then. Uh, the day comes, round one by, as I said, round two, sit down against this pretty young guy, I think he looked about 16, he looked pretty nervous, but he looked pretty new to the format, and then I pick up his deck as we start to shuffle it, and I can feel it single-sleeved. And you're like, well, nothing expensive in here, better mash these together. And so I'm just like, God, I know this is burn, isn't it? God, I know it's burn. <laughs> <laughs> you could tell from shuffling his deck that it was going to be burn. I really don't want to be that condescending arsehole, which we are just talking about, but He's younger, he was nervous, it was single-sleeved, and lo and behold, he went turn one mountain goblin guide. I'm like, fuck me. <laughs> Regretted everything. I got insanely, insanely lucky to win the match. You just stare at him, and you slowly <laughs> shake your head back and forth like, what have you fucking done? He was lovely. He was so nice. I really don't want to, like... I'm sure he won't remember or listen to this for me now, but he was lovely about it, and he just said afterwards, he's oh, this is my first Legacy GP, I don't play very often. And it was really cool, we chatted afterwards. But in my head, when he went turn one mountain, I was like, God, this is my nightmare. Because Miracles <laughs> was really cold to it. I, like I said, I got very lucky. You're like, I just took this warmth out of the sideboard, and now, face and burn. <laughs> I was kind of like, God, I deserve Dude, this warm. third predict. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, guys, there's probably like a ton of stories, awesome stories we have to tell. Is, is there anything you, you still want to say about the current state of the farm? Because I think it's really hard to like make actual any predictions. Um, we were talking about Geruda at some point, I think, um, earlier yeah. today. And people were wondering, like, is Geruda still a deck? And I, I was like very quick to shoot it down. But then some people made like a case for Geruda, like for a more mid-rangey version I think of it. there's a lot of hope for it, actually. Like, I think the, the current version is obviously a lot worse but it could just be a turn slower. It's very powerful against the slower control decks you are playing slower, or you're like playing a Thornot Seer and Chalice and stuff. Um, I think it could still be a decent deck. Not like I think right now it feels like actually the kind of tier one broken deck, whatever. But I think there's still hope for it as it is. I could be completely wrong here, but I would lean further on it's good rather than it's unplayable. And then people are talking about like potentially playing four in the main deck and not even companion it and you get to play like duck ritual brainstorms force of will and stuff like it's a it's a threat you can just cast with fast mana and it's blue to pitch to force of will and stuff yeah the issue i see with that is once you start playing all these extra cards geruda really didn't have that many slots right it had like the four thought not and the four chalices and everything else if you want to go for the clone version right you could also i guess build a version that's just looking to get like a grizzle brand or something to play that that's the thing, like, Orem was playing, like, a version that had Grizzlebrands and Sire of Insanities, and it was just trying to... Yeah, the thing is, like, Orem is clinically certified insane. Like, he, he's got the document at home, so I, I don't know if that counts. So, I don't know. I, I, I'm, I tried to think about this deck earlier today, and it's it's hard to build, I guess, but there could be something else, so... Yeah, I'm, I don't think Garage is dead. There, there was some talk about Food Chain Alorum for, like, two minutes, but then it immediately died down. Uh, Food Chain Garuda, not Alorum. <laughs> you don't have anything good to hit with it, really. And you'd be playing clones in this deck, I guess. Yeah, um, yeah, you can just kill people much easier with food chain in play. So I guess we we just like see how it works out. So assuming there was like a big tournament this week, well, I guess you would also be playing just Esper Wild or 
Well, what would you be up going I for? I like the look of Rug Delver. I haven't played Delver in a long time. And today oh. I was just looking at it over and I was like, it just looks pretty slick. I don't know. Like, I like Hoochie Mandrels and Stifle quite a lot as well. I haven't played Delver in a long time. Oh, so. yeah, yeah. Yeah, I feel like, again, when things get shaken up, Delver's pretty good and it can beat Snow with Clothis and I think Stifle is quite good against these decks, so... See, that's what I'm saying when I say I want to punish people. I want to establish the framework under which anyone in, in any given format can operate. And that's why I'm playing Burn, because it tells you that you can't splash Gifts Ungiven. And I want Delva to be like, that doesn't even need to be Delva, right? But any kind of tempo deck to be there to, to, to find out with how much stuff people can get away with. And that's why I like Delva. And whether you play Stifle or not, I love Stifle. I want to play the Stifle version. Everybody keeps telling me, don't play the Stifle version. Now I found this one guy on Twitter who actually says, you're insane. You All you guys have to play Stifle. So I unfollowed everybody else and I just follow him now. And that's that's where I want to be. I, I want to be in a position to do that either through playing a bunch of shitty creatures that just multiply or while doing the, the Delva thing. And that's basically the two things. And in an unexplored metagame, that's the two things I want to do. And Matt, you, you want to play Enchantress, right? I do. I definitely do. I want to play some Argothian Enchantresses. I want to play some Destiny Spinners. I want to play um, that 4-6. What's that black dude who... Oh, Doombeck Giant. Doombeck Giant. And then you just cast Wild Growth, Wild Growth, Wild Growth, and then you just draw a bunch of cards and nuke their whole field. It's excellent. It's such a good time. Awesome. So I guess we're going to call it a day with that. Something I want to mention, uh, especially for our Patreons coming up, there's going to be a Patreon thing they change about regarding VAT. I wrote about it on, on the Patreon feed, so you can check it out over there. Like The vast majority of you won't be implement, uh, affected by that. Especially if you're not, like, if you're living in Europe, it won't even affect you at all. If you're living in a different country, there's a chance, but it's pretty slow because I went through Patreon and I uh, optimized all the perks. Also, by the way, I updated some of the perks and uh, changed the, the benefits that you can get. So it's very likely that VAT won't be applied to you. And if it does, it's not going to be a big thing. But if you have any questions about that, let me know. Also, I merged the two the two Discord channels that we had. We, we always had the Everyday Channel one. I also had my own personal one, but that didn't really make sense because neither side was like big enough to to like justify splitting those. So if you support me on Patreon, like me personally, or the podcast, you will get access to the Everyday Channel slash its Julian, I guess, Discord. And if you want to do that, you can do that on patreon.com slash Everyday Channel. Just like this month, Dennis Offerman. I'd like to also add in a quick thing that uh, I'm pretty active on Discord and I'm in the Everyday Channel Discord. So I love talking about building new decks and I love talking about well the format in general. So especially if you're looking for like some new deck ideas or anything like that, I'm always available there to talk pretty much every day. So do feel free to come in and chat as much as you want. And to reach me, you can send me a self-addressed sealed envelope to an address linked below. And uh, of course, and then I will post it back to you. Expect uh, currently with coronavirus a six-week turnaround time. So... Are we really going to post your address there? No. <laughs> <laughs> you just do it like what you've always been doing. You just give people my address and I will take care of it. Exactly. My fan <laughs> mail can go to uh, Julian's house. Piles and piles of it. Awesome. So, yeah, with that, if you want to find us on Twitter, we have a Twitter account at EternalMTG. And if you want to find me personally, I'm at it's Julian 23 And you can find Caleb at... 
at whitefaces mtg exactly and if you want to contact matt like he's really hard self-addressed to like, sealed envelope as i said yeah like you, back in the old you guys days. have no idea like how much paperwork we gotta do every week to just like get him out of the military to to be able to comment on all of this here on the podcast so <laughs> some of the patreon money also goes towards that so we can free him from a stasis every week so yeah if you want to become a patron it does make a difference for us but you don't have to only support us or just support us like in a financial way you can also just go to itunes leave a review there so if people go like hey let me find a legacy podcast and we will pop up uh, or if or even through google right it, it does help us out there and we got a couple of special patrons that i want to shout out those are our eternal witness tier patrons matt nams valerio james slack victor bernans and of course, our longtime Grizzlebrand tier supporters, Bashu Bat, Scott Monroe, Kurush Alistay, and Jeremy Gates. Thank you so much for that. And see you again we'll next you week for the next Everyday Tunnel. Thank you. Bye bye. <laughs> <laughs>